0: Hebrews 1.6, and today I'm reading out of the New Living Translation just because of the verbiage and the words, the way it is, and maybe because of one eye, it just seems to flow better. Hebrews 1.6, and when he brought his supreme son, he being God, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. So God is establishing an order. It's important because right after we talk about Jesus here and that order, we're going to talk about angels because there's a huge misconception about angels. I won't have time to get all that done because there's 11 pages of that, just that study. But Hebrews 1, 6, and when God brought his supreme son into the world, God said... Let all of God's angels worship him. So God was establishing the firstborn, and he was doing that in this time period for multiple reasons. In this time frame with the Greeks, these are Greek Christians now, there's something about the firstborn. Everything was given double portion to the first son. This was given to the first son. It was passed down. Uh, Lisa and I have been in some villages in Africa And in the village, in the tribal hierarchy, a male son could not even vote or anything until they had a male child. Now, some of them gave a little bit of right when they got married. But then until they got a male son, they could not vote even in the tribal council. They could not hold any positions. So guess where that came from even in Africa? It came back from biblical history. They didn't invent that. But anyway, it was establishing the firstborn. Trying to read sideways here. But not only was the firstborn a double portion, it's also leadership of the family and the family's spiritual head. The figurative language, the term firstborn, stands for that which is most Excellent. Thus expression is applied to Jesus in several new passages and New Testament passages. All of them point to Jesus' high standing and his unique relationship to his father and critical here, the church. The church, the new living church, the New Testament church, i.e. us. Okay? It's very important that we understand that. Next scripture, 1 Colossians, I mean, 1 Colossians, Colossians 1, 15 through 18. Bear with me. Colossians 1, 15 and 18. And with that the the, the, the heading in this section says Christ is supreme. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. That's a lot of stuff. So what is your visual image of God, of Christ. He is the visible image of the invisible God. Verse 16, for through him, God created everything. Through him, through Jesus Christ, God created everything. Everything in the heavenly realms and on earth, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him for him. Let's let's change those two words. Everything was created through Jesus for God. Well, that's you and I, right? Verse 17, he existed before anything else and he holds all creations together. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. So there again, go back and break down and read Colossians 1, 15 through 18. When you start slowing down and seeing it, it puts so much emphasis. So is Christ the head of your life? Have you made that? conscious decision and choice i could have got upset last week when i couldn't see but god's still god it didn't catch him off guard maybe it was for me to figure another way to study i don't know the reason doesn't matter but i know god is number one in my life in christ i want to be like him so i'm not going to lose it and get mad i'm going to deal with it and push through John 1, 3. I'm intentionally trying to go slow too just because we need to get these scriptures, need to write them down, go back and study them. If you don't have this book, I highly suggest you get it. And and, and you can go back to it years later and go through it and study it. It's incredible. John 1, 3. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. Simple but pretty in depth. Romans 8, 17 and 29. To to look at my other eye. There we go. Romans 8, 17 and 29. <clears throat> Verse 17. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. So the myth of you getting saved and everything's going to be hunky-dory just went out the window. You're going to get a big floating, can't see? You're going to get stung by she-devils. You're going to do this when it's 107 degrees, part of it. But is it worth it when I got a picture of these four pastors being released from, from 14 months of incarceration? Absolutely. They walk out. If y'all could only see that picture on my phone. They walk out of that place like they owned it. Like, yeah, bring it, come on. Well, I remember somebody else in the Bible walking out of jail like they owned it. Just a thought for you. But see, we don't want to correlate the two together. Well, that happened then. It ha- this happened last week. Yeah. Not over here. Yeah. The same thing happened last week. They walked out of that prison like they owned it. Why? Because Christ is first in their life. They know who God is. There is no misrepresentation of who they serve. There's a fire that burns in them that cannot be quenched. It doesn't matter. Throw me in jail. That's all you got? So, when we understand the firstborn, do you realize in your family you may not be the firstborn, but you are the firstborn as a Christian to God? You're His firstborn. We we possess everything that's written in here. It's all of ours if we just take hold of it. Now we're going to jump into another section. Talking about angels. Reading through this, I was like, you know, why is this in there about angels? I think because sometimes we may worship an angel more than we do God himself. Maybe we put an angel up here. We've all seen it in certain, certain denominations and religions where they have you know, certain um, candles with a certain angel on them or a, uh, a cross with a certain angel and they, and they say certain prayers to angels. So maybe we, we, we do need to study angels to understand they're not gods. They're not above you and I. But why do we worship them? I don't know. But why do we worship other things in our lives? That's so good. In both Hebrew and Greek, the word translated angel means messenger. The author of Hebrews opened. (laughs) Even the book messed up. (laughs) This is awesome. I don't have to correct the book. The book says the author opened his epistle. That ain't. The author of Hebrews opened her epistle with an assertion that the son was the greatest messenger about God. The balance of chapter 1 explains the superiority of the son Jesus to the angelic messengers. So we have to make sure we understand angels are never superior to God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Never ever ever. Don't don't get confused. The word translated as spirits in Hebrews 1.7 may also be translated into winds. Although angels occupy a high place as God's ministers, they are created. Therefore, they are as dependent and perishable as the forces of nature. Those are some critical things to understand because I'm fixing to drop a bomb on you that, and then I'm going to leave you with it and, and let you think about it. It is interesting that the writer contrasts the ministry of angels and the ministry of Christ, but the ministry of Christ is eternal and his, offer, his office is as divine sovereignty. Angels are but transitory beings whose office place them in service in both Christ and saints, you and I as a born-again Christian. The similarity then is that servant Messenger. So, angels are servant messengers. So, when you go in and look in Hebrews, and it's, I can't see. Let me get here real quick. It's in Hebrews 1. I'm pretty sure. Where did it come on? Yeah, Hebrews 1, 14. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirit, spirit sent to care for the people who will inherit salvation. So why aren't you sending your messengers out on your behalf? Use the messengers you have. And I want you to write these scriptures down before I drop this next bomb, because when I drop this one, I don't know if I'll get to these, but it's vital, important that you get these scriptures, because you're going to go on and read them to make sure that the toxins from the little she-devils in my arm haven't affected my brain. Hebrews 12, 22. That's Hebrews 12, and Revelation 5, 10 through 12. Revelation 5, 10 through 12. Because it's going to give you a, an insight into good angels, bad angels. Revelation? Revelation 5 10 through 12. See, a lot of times people think of angels as only, only good. That's a wrong. A third of them's already been cast out, a third. So they're all not good. Go in here to this real quick. Here's a question. Now, when we talk about the devil, the enemy, Satan, I'm going to use one word today because this is, in the Scripture, it refers to throughout by his name, Lucifer, okay? Lucifer. He was an archangel, okay? When you study angels out, you know, you see these pretty pretty figurines. It's usually like with a set of wings. Well, that's a falsity too because there was two sets described about of angels in the Bible. One had two sets, uh, four sets of wings and one had six. So the little cute ones with a nap that's not it. And most of them have cute women faces and a lot of them don't have eyes because, you know, they don't want to do all that, but, you know, there again... What's the affixation with an angel? I don't know. But some are. The question is how could Lucifer, an archangel, have rebelled against God? I mean, at the time, he was God's right hand man. Playing the music. God even set him apart. Talks about it. He's like, he's like my friend Joe, he's the man. Or like, you know, my, my, my big friend George, if I want to go into battle, I'm taking George. He's the man. Exactly right. if I'm going to get in the fight. Come on, George, you and me. Or you, you, you and me. <laughs> it was doing that order. Not me, you. You, me. I follow. I walk through the carnage. <laughs> right. But Revelation 12, 7 through 9, r- write this down, says, Lucifer and his angels fought against God and were cast out of heaven. Since Lucer was a highly intelligent creature, not to mention the fact that he had an innate knowledge of God. Innate knowledge of God. (coughs) It's hard for me to comprehend how he or a third of those angels that had that kind of revelation, innate knowledge, could rebel against God. But then, on the other hand, what about you and I? Why do we rebel against God? Why do we not line up every aspect of our life with the Word of God? Why don't we do what God says? Why don't we act like God says? I don't know. I do know. But let's look at an answer. And this, this answer, I'm in agreement with it. It's not my answer. This is a theolo- several theologians' theory answer to this question. And it'll make you think, wow. So if, if you, in your mind, characterize Lucifer's rebellion as an insane act, you're correct. It would be insane. How could you do that? I don't have a clue. I don't know. But don't forget that, although Lucifer had a superabundance of spiritual gifts, he was also endowed as we are with the gift of free will. That's one of those, if you could tattoo it on the inside of your eyelid... And then you close your eyes, you could read it. We should do it. Free will. Don't ever forget, it's your will. It's free to choose good or to be Lucifer. It's still your will. God left him free to choose good over evil. And as we know, he chose evil over good. Consider Adam and Eve. I'm going to get my wife's take on this one because she hadn't heard this. Before the fall, they possessed immortality, controlled control over their passion and appetites, the complete integrity of their wills, as well as a human intelligence far superior to that which we have now. Yet like Lucifer, they chose to commit a mortal sin, This means God allowed them to exercise their free will. As for the particular sin the bad angels committed, many theologians believe that in their pre-fallen state, the angels were given a foreknowledge of humans. Let that sink in for a second. God's talking about the future, people, us, you and I. This is, the, this, is, this is where you see it kick in. Who would be inferior to them, as well as foreknowledge that God Himself, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, would be incarnated as man and redeem the universe through His death on the cross. So they had foreknowledge of what was coming. God was going to send His Son, the second part of the Trinity, to reconcile man's death to eternity. But this is, this is the twist. This is where what happened to Lucifer happened to one-third of the angels. This revelation angered Lucifer because it meant he, he, and the other angels would have to worship God incarnate. Oh, now we just went down a notch in the hierarchy. Think about when, when God dropped the bomb on them, by, oh, there's a third part of the Trinity, because it says the second part of the Trinity, <laughs> that means, hello, if you're that smart, there's one more. Oh, and by the way, you're be subject to the Holy Spirit. Angels. So Lucifer and the other angels who fell were so proud of being superior to man, to men or mankind. That their own overweening arrogance wouldn't allow them to worship Jesus Christ, who would not allow them to worship Jesus Christ, the man slash God. This refusal, this non-servium, stem from pride that anyway well, means, that stem from pride. So why does it talk about the pride become the fall? Pride become before come before the fall because it's already there. The angels even did it. I mean, they're having a great day. They're sitting up there just rocking and rolling with God every day. Just He and I, and the angels. Now, how many? I don't know. There's there's a million. I have eleven pages of notes just on angels. It's it's crazy. It's cool scripture. But the angels talked about in the Bible specifically that were named were all male. Not, doesn't mean they all were male, but that's part of it. But the pride, I mean, of Lucifer and one-third of the angels, that pride of what they were because they were walking with God in communion. Well, so was Adam and Eve. But then when they had foreknowledge that God was going to send the second part of the Trinity As Jesus' man to die and resurrect, they would have to be subject to him. And they rebelled because we all know Lucifer wanted to be more than God-like. So let that sink in. Father, we just thank you that we come today and we can share your word, that we can be motivated enough by your word to study it even greater that we can get in and understand that, that our foreknowledge of You and our knowledge of You comes through our study of the Word, allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate Your Word to our life, the application of Your Word to our life, to have a better understanding so that we don't rebel against Your Word, that we don't rebel against You, that we walk in everything that You have for us, Father, we just thank you for what's coming today, that we open our minds and our hearts for an incredible day, that, Lord, you have your will and your way in this service, that, Father, we get out of the way and invite you in and receive all that you will have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.